Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is episode 39. You know what I'm finding is it's really helping me host the show if I have a a piece of paper in front of me, like a, like a talk show host or like a newscaster, so I have like a stack of pages and a pen. And I find if I just have a piece of paper to sort of like flip through like it's news, all of a sudden I feel really professional. Listen to this, I'm going to like... I'm going to straighten all the pages on my desk. Perfect. All right, so let's do some business. Uh, okay, today on the show is Damon Hatfield. And you know Damon if you like to read video game articles on IGN.com. Damon Hatfield is one of the personalities on IGN, and he's been there for many, many, many years. And in fact, uh, as we get to in the conversation, uh, you know, I used to listen to uh, the IGN podcast, and I still do from time to time to get my video game news. I say this to Damon, it's like I uh, I find that I listen to video game news and read video game news more than I actually play video games. <clears throat> Anyways, that's that, man. So let's get to some business. What is the business? Today's business. All right. Don't forget, if you enjoy the show, or even if you don't, follow me on Twitter, I'm at Andy Last on Twitter. That is the official Beyond Synth Twitter account and my account, Andy Last, which is easy to remember because it's my name. And uh, what else? Oh, visit the Facebook page, facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast. And that is the Beyond Synth Facebook page. And if you want to send messages uh, to the mail sack or whatever, that is at the Beyond Synth Facebook page. I think I even forgot to mention it last week when I had Sunglasses Kid co-hosting the show with me, but um, what if uh, if um, lost my train of thought? Okay, if you want to send messages, because you say there's going to be this this segment called the Mail Sack, all right, and that's a segment where you can send in um, questions and comments and stuff, and we'll read them on a future episode. I'm going to compile them, so, uh, you know, just send them in. Just send stuff in to beyond or facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast and then just write mail sack in the message somewhere, like the title or whatever. Mail sack as in a sack of mail. What else? Power 85, man. We're on 8 p.m. Eastern. All right, it's 8 p.m. Eastern right now. Listen, some days it's all about listening to new music and uh, and uh, giving a showcase for for new new electronic artists and stuff to play their music and then some days I just want to play some of my favorite tracks so like I said we got Damon coming up later in the show and uh, don't worry it's a big long interview so if you're fans of Damon there's a lot of talking I will say <laughs> that if this is the first episode of Beyond Synth you've ever listened to and uh, I, I will prepare you that there are big sections of my conversation with Damon that were largely just me 
sort of bombarding him with all of my video game opinions and him just sort of politely listening. <laughs> so if you don't know, in the show I, I talk quite a bit. And um, I think a lot of people, they want to... You know what? I'm going to continue this. Let's listen to a song first, all right? Now I'm going to finish this thought afterwards. Let's listen to one of my favorite songs of all time by Droid Bishop. It's a little song called Color and Data. Thank you. 
that was Droid Bishop with Color and Data. That is literally one of my favorites. That was like one of the first songs I listened when I discovered the scene. It was really crazy because uh, it was he had just put it out recently, and we somehow sort of met up there and um, became pals. And if you uh, if you dig that stuff, go back and listen. Uh, Droid Bishop's been on the show twice, actually, and. Um, no, he's been on way more than that. Never mind. He's been on twice as like an actual guest, and he's come on and done some uh, some fun little things here and there. But Droid Bishop's awesome, and his music is awesome. So go back into the back catalog of Beyond Synth and check it out. Um, we're on Power85, Power85.com, okay? Power85 is a 24-hour-a-day music radio station. Uh, and they play the synth wave and the synth pop and electronic stuff and 80s inspired shit and all sorts of good stuff and um, and if you like this show there's also a show on Friday nights called Project Friday uh, hosted by a guy called Steve Gilson and um, he plays lots of cool music and uh, it's a lot of fun all right so that's that his his is more music focused all right i like to talk to people on this show and and have guests and stuff like that so that's that's the deal with this place man that's what and you're listening to beyond synth what was i saying before oh yeah so i have damon on later in the show and what i was gonna say was and one of the reasons why i sort of uh sort of assault him with all of my video game opinions all at once that's probably a bad choice of words. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, I love talking to people about movies and games and music and all this stuff, <clears throat> and I get really excited because a lot of the people who I have on the show are inspired by, you know, some of the same things that I am, you know, stuff from the 80s and cartoons and video games and, and stuff like that. And I find when I have someone, I think, um, you know, if you if you are a listener or a reader of IGN, or game news in general. I know there's a lot of people who want to be in on the conversation. You know, you write in letters, you say, oh, here's my opinion on this thing or whatever, because they're going to read it on the show or they're going to discuss it or be part of the message boards and that sort of thing. And I think I find that <laughs> having having Damon on the show, since I had someone who was, you know, in games journalism and, and I had their ear, it's like I just had to tell them all, uh, all of my opinions about games. And... Um, I mean, I listen back to the show. It's not that bad. I mean, if if you're a regular listener to the show, it's going to be par for the course. I've had guests on where the entire show was just me, <laughs> and they just happened to be there. And then I have other guests who manage to keep me quiet. I think Edward, uh, sunglasses kid, I think he's good at that. I think he likes talking just as much as I do, and uh, and so he's one of the people who, when when he talks, I sort of I think he wants it more. Anyway, let's. Uh, <laughs> Let's listen to a track, another track that I think is awesome. And this is by, of course, Lucasette, one of my favorites, one of everyone's favorites. Lucasette are awesome. And uh, this is from the album Left to Our Own Devices. And this is the track Radio.
And that was Radio by Lucaset. And uh, yeah, man, if you dig that, go to the back catalog. Lucaset have been on several times, and they're some of my favorite episodes of Beyond Synth. Uh, three guys from England, and they're all very funny and uh, very offensive. And uh, they're good shows, man. And they both showed up. Uh, they're the Christmas specials. So uh, the first season of Beyond Synth and the second season of Beyond Synth Christmas specials with Lucaset. Check those out. Power85.com. Did I say that already? Go to Power85.com. This show is on every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. You understand? And there's a replay on Saturday. The reason why it's cool if you tune in for the live... Uh, I say live for, for when we broadcast the show is because I'm going to try my best to... Uh, there's a chat that goes on because uh, Power85 pumps through Mixler. And uh, so Mixler is like the live streaming app and there's a chat. So, uh, you know, if you tune into the show Thursdays at 8, uh, you can join the chat on Mixler and I'll be there and uh, listeners will be there. And then you can find out just how many people really do listen to Beyond Synth and it's about 10. And you can chat with them. (laughs) Uh, What else? SoundCloud. Okay, so uh, we broadcast the shows at 8. Then we broadcast them on Saturdays at 1. And then SoundCloud. Uh, The episodes go to SoundCloud, I think, on Tuesdays I'm doing it now. And uh, so that's where you can listen to the episodes. That's where they will be. That's where their home will be. And that is soundcloud.com slash beyond synth. It might even be beyond a hyphen synth. But, you know, if you just search for beyond synth, you'll find the SoundCloud page. The first thing that comes up if you type it in Google. And that's where you can find all the back catalog of Beyond Synth. And I suggest you go check them out, man, because I think they're a lot of fun. The show has obviously changed several times. It's been sort of several different types of show. Um, The older ones, uh, before we started broadcasting on Power 85, they were just more of just, it was just a conversation podcast with little snippets of music. Um, But if you enjoy the stuff that we talk about on the show, that's what it is, really. It's just uh, cool cool artists who make cool music uh, that I really dig talking about stuff that I think is cool. And that's that. Oh, and speaking of talking... (laughs) That's what I call a segue. Look at this. I'm going through my piece of paper like a professional fucking broadcaster. And uh, to remind you, I was also... I was a guest on... Ozone Late Night. I've been on that show several times. It's hosted by a dude called Joe, and uh, he regularly hosts a podcast with his buddy Lando, and they talk uh, nerdy stuff. Anyways, I go on there occasionally. Ozone Late Night is the show that's just hosted by Joe, where he talks to people he finds interesting. And uh, I've, I think I've been on the most, I think. Every time we record, we'll sit down and we'll literally record for like four hours, and again, it's it's a lot of you know video game nonsense i think if you tune into the last one the last one was funny because he always goes into that show joe the host of that uh ozone late night always goes into everything with an agenda and that agenda is quickly thrown away and the last time i was on he had an agenda because he said he'd been playing games and he wanted to talk to me about video games and within the first 30 seconds we were on the internet trying to figure out the mathematical equation to how much chicken blood you can fit into a bathtub. Actually, the math was how many chickens would you need to kill to... Whatever, because we were there's talking about Satanists or something. That is uh, ozone.libson.com, I think. That's that's the um, where he... where they have their episodes of, of uh, their podcast. That's right, right? Listen, I'm looking at these goddamn notes and I... Okay, hey... Let's listen to a song, man. 
we got Damon Hatfield coming up later in the show. In the meantime, we're going to listen to a kick-ass song by a kick-ass group called Magic Sword. Uh, Magic Sword's awesome, and you're you're going you, to... Magic Sword is awesome. Everybody loves Magic Sword, all right? Anyways, this is a little track called In the Face of Evil by Magic Sword. <laughs>
was Magic Sword within the face of evil. That song kicks some serious ass. I love that track. Um, and yeah, if you if you dig Magic Sword, he's been on the show a few times. Uh, he's a guy shrouded in mystery, man. They they do these awesome live performances and they wear masks and things. And uh, he's actually been on the show twice. I think there was a Magic Sword episode and then also one where he uh, was on the show with Betamax and Arcade High. And we had a good old four-way conversation. So, I'm excited for Star Wars. Just looking through my notes. Do you ever have movies that... You know, everybody loves and you just don't. I feel that way. I, I felt that way recently. Please write into the mail sack and tell me yours. But when I when I was growing up, I, I really enjoyed Back to the Future 2. All right. I thought it was fun. It was colorful and stuff like that. And in fact, it was the movie that inspired me to want to make movies because i loved the way it was made and i love the concept of that film now back to the future part one is one of like it's my top 10 favorite movies of all time i love that movie so much but whenever people talk about back to the future and of course you know we're in november now last month uh you know was back to the future day because the day they went to the future in the second film and everybody always talks about back to the future in terms of it being a trilogy you know, whenever people talk about Back to the Future, it's always the trilogy. Oh, I love the Back to the Future trilogy, stuff like that. And I just, I don't think of it really as the trilogy. Like, I just sort of think of it as this great first movie and then these other things. And I've watched them many times. And I enjoy the Back to the Future sequels, but I don't love them on the same level. Like, I feel like the first movie is just this singular awesome thing. Now, I've, I've dissected this. The other day, I went on a big rant to my friend about how I felt about Back to the Future 2, and when it was done, I just felt like I... I it was supercharged because he, he was sort of like, whoa, you really thought about this, haven't you? Like, you know that way when some, someone says that to you and you feel like, oh shit, did I just go too far? Like, um, So I watched Back to the Future 2 the other day just to remind myself... Um, and I think what it is, is I just, I love the idea of that film so much. And the idea that you're going back in time into the previous movie is so cool. But what I find when I watch Back to the Future 2 now, you know, what I wouldn't have really absorbed when I was a kid because I just would have liked all the visuals and stuff and the split screens, and is it's just a very expositional film. Like, I just find that Doc Brown literally is like the whole movie just explaining why everything's happening and the rules of the movie but then they break those rules because they go to all this trouble of showing you this map of a timeline on a blackboard and how you know once you go back and then you you're now in that locked in that timeline and the only way to get back to the real one is to go back before biff went back in time blah blah yet biff goes back in time so then how did he get back to the future that they exist in anyway nerd stuff listen you probably disagree with me i'll tell you another one Princess Bride. Princess Bride is a movie that everybody loves. And I just... I don't love it. I think it's fine. You know, it's enjoyable. It's cute. But I just don't... I don't love it the way everybody else does. But I don't know. Maybe you've got your own. You know? I mean, look. I had a buddy tell me that he didn't love Scarface. You know? So everyone... Each to their own, man. Let's listen to an awesome song by Mega Drive. This is a song called Data Line. Off the album Hardwired by Mega Drive. (laughs) 
And that was Mega Drive with the song Data Line. I love that song. It's cool, man. Mega Drive's a cool guy. Hey, I know I keep pimping old episodes of Beyond Synth, but if you like Mega Drive, again, go back to the back catalog of Beyond Synth, man. Mega Drive was on the show. Um, that was a funny one because he <laughs> I think I, I persuaded him to be on the show. I don't know if that he really wanted to be. <laughs> But anyway, we had a good time. We were talking about Halloween and stuff. I want to play some music, but I kind of want to just get to my interview with Damon. So I have a few more tracks I'm going to play when we're done. But uh, again, we're, I'm talking to Damon for like an hour. So um, thanks for tuning in. This is Beyond Synth, by the way. You're listening to Beyond Synth. Um, Power85.com, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Well, I don't know if I have to tell you that if you're listening right now, but if you are listening to the download later on, that's just a friendly reminder that it's fun to listen live because then you get to join in on the chat. I say live. Live broadcast. What is it? Now, whatever. All right, listen. Let's go talk to Damon Hatfield from IGN. Yeah, okay, we're going. I'm going to take a sip of water here. Got to stay hydrated. Very important. It is, man. So you got a big day today? Possibly. There's a big uh, Sony press conference tomorrow. Ooh. But, but during the press conference, the power in our building is supposed to be turned off. What? So we may have to shoot like a, some pre-show coverage today for the show that's going to go tomorrow. We'll see. <laughs> you gotta just, are you going to like pretend to know what it's about? Well, we can we could do our pre coverage anytime. It's our post show coverage that would be a little difficult. But that would be fucking funny as hell if you did yeah. the, like, We talked about doing that. Wow, I can't believe they announced that. Well, you remember the um oh, the old Simpsons episode with the DJ three thousand or whatever? Yeah. And the, those clowns in Congress. What a bunch <laughs> of clowns, you know? Like, that would be an amazing thing to do, just assume, you know. Well, I guess, I mean, you, you sort of could, though. I mean, are they really going to have any surprises? Probably not this time out, yeah. We we'll probably do know. We, we could probably wing the post show, though, yeah. uh, for Sony, sure. <laughs> Anyways, okay, let's, uh, let's begin here. So I am speaking with Damon Hatfield. Hello, I'm Damon Hatfield. How's it going? Good. It's very early in the morning for me, so uh, please forgive any uh, crazy things that I say. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Um, it's so bizarre because, see, I used to listen to, and I mean, I, I still do listen to uh, to Game Scoop, but I I used to listen to um, a lot of the IGN podcasts like years ago. This was this was before the the podcast boom, pre serial. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, because there was this time when when podcasts first came out, and you know, I was listening to the Ricky Gervais podcast and things like that, mm, and then yeah. all of a sudden there was like kind of nothing yeah. to listen to, and that was before I discovered the uh, the whole comedy world of podcasts, which is where most of the things I listen to now are sort of in that world. And when I was like looking for content, and I was like, oh, I got to listen to something. And I had this stupid job. Don't we all? <laughs> so I listened to uh, yeah, Game Scoop and Podcast Beyond, and even oh, that yeah? fucking. Uh, the sex one you guys did or knocking boots yeah. <laughs> because of the sort of the intimate nature of podcasting mm. when you're, you're you're sitting in on this conversation with a bunch of people that you really start to get a sense of you know you kind of feel like you know people sure you know like through listening sure and this is like a real thought i had which is why it's so bizarre that when i when i got your message like when you reached out because from listening to those podcasts all those years ago i just had that thought like 
I think Damon and I'd get along. Yeah? You, had, you just had a feeling? Yeah, it's just like, it was you specifically. Like, everyone else, like, there's, like, fun people. But, you know, there's all the different sort of gamut of, um, you know, types of people. Sure. Not that I'm trying to say what what type of person you are but uh, there's no, a let's, there's, let's lay it on the table no but there's there's a type where and i feel like i fall into this category where it's like i have a lot of nerdy pursuits some some very nerdy pursuits but i don't um present myself as a nerd yeah i have all these sort of like these things that i uh, care about mm. quite a bit you know the super nerdy things games and and science fiction and movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that but i'm not really like a kind of guy that makes charts and graphs about those things i just sort of i just like them <laughs> Sure. You know, I like all those things too, but I guess when people ask me to describe myself, I guess like I'm a I'm a geek or I'm a nerd isn't like the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, and and I found um, you know, listening to the IGN podcasts, I found that I associated the most with your personality. And then when I got your message and you're <laughs> like explaining to me who you are in the message and I'm sitting there just like, yeah, I know who you are, like <laughs> So talk to me then a bit about the music stuff. Like, how did you, when did this start for you? So I formed a band in high school I, from Kansas City. I formed a band called Cool Guy Club Number no. 9, sort of a mix of Nirvana and Weezer. And I feel pretty confident in saying we're one of the best bands to ever come out of Olathe, Kansas. <laughs> Then it uh, came time to go to college, band broke up, and I went to study music at the University of Kansas. And at college, at that time, I was a guitar player and a vocalist. And during college, I discovered Aphex Twin, and that was like a tectonic shift in my musical development. And I like got into all this electronica and what they called IDM at the time and started diving into Aphex Twin and Square Pusher and Boards of Canada, music, and all those guys. And one of the things I realized is that these are all uh, mostly just single musicians boards of Canada is is two dudes but I started to realize that I could compose and record and perform all by myself and I didn't need a band so I like got a computer got reason started producing tracks on my own moved to Chicago after I graduated and got involved in the Laptronica scene remember do you remember when Laptronica was a thing (laughs) I don't think I've never heard of Laptronica yeah it's like guys just performing with with their laptop okay okay early 2000s is when that was a thing and like I started recording and uh, music as Monster Zero that was the name I was using it's like a Godzilla kaiju and I released my first album there in Chicago and was just playing around in Chicago and then one day I was you know I was a big fan of IGN I've been a fan ever since I was trying to find all 120 stars in Mario 64 <laughs> and then they posted a job opening for a, like a news writer writing news articles about video games and I thought I think I think I could do that and I applied for that and by some stroke of luck they hired me and I moved out to San Francisco that was about 10 years ago, and so ever since then, I've basically been performing two jobs. I split my time between covering video games and producing music, and I DJ around San Francisco regularly and produce stuff, uh, release music when I can. So that was back when, for me, it was N64.com. Yeah. Because that's what it was, right? Because And it was... Um Oh, what was the dude's name? Because that's how I discovered Goldeneye. Like, was it Matt Casamassina? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and, and I lived in a small town. I had this really shitty internet that was like text based. Wow. Because it was like free. My dad was a teacher, and and he just had this weird free shitty internet. And I was reading the re- the review of Goldeneye, and I remember it just blew my mind it, because it was like you can have a sniper rifle. Yeah. You can zoom in and shoot guys out of towers. And I remember like that line going. Well, this is going to be the best game ever made. Yep. And I and I bought it, and I was like the only one in my town who who owned it. And I remember even having to convince my friends to play it because it didn't look as good as Turok. Mm. 
So I remember like when I showed it to them and it's like, oh, this is okay. Cause it was sort of, it was more, uh, it was blockier and a bit more like mm-hmm. uh, the polygons than, than Turok was. Mm-hmm. And then I just remember like once people like started to figure out exactly what was going on and then it, it was a, it was a fantastic time. Yeah. GoldenEye was quite the phenomenon. <laughs> You ever seen the video for Window Liquor? Oh, of course. I love that video so that's much. One of the, that's one of the all-time, all-time great music videos. Yeah, that fucking video is so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that, no, that same guy did the video for uh, Come to Daddy by Aphex Twin. Uh, he's done a bunch of cool videos. Yeah, Cunningham. That dude is amazing. Yeah. Did you ever get those sets? There's like those, uh, the... The, um, the directors. Yeah, right? those are great. Yeah. yeah. I think Michael Gondry had one. His is awesome. awesome. Yeah. He's one of those dudes that just everything he does is, I mean... Well, in the music video world, I think he's made some movies yeah. I haven't like loved, but like the music videos that dude does are incredible. Talk yeah. to me, talk to me a bit about then. Let's let's talk a bit about some of the tracks mm-hmm. uh, you've made. So we'll go sort of go back a bit uh, in the years. But tell me about the track uh, "Proper Form." Yeah, that was actually one of the first um, when I started getting into that whole the whole current like synthwave, a little bit more more minimal retro '80s throwback stuff than like the experimental IDM stuff. I, I think College was... Do you, are you familiar with the artist College? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so like he, that was like the first one that was sort of doing that sort of synthwave 80s thing that I had heard. And yeah, I, I went through a, a phase where I was just trying to create cool electronic stuff with the bare minimum of elements in the song. It's like not trying to be crazy and experimental, trying to do the opposite, where it's just like you just have a drum machine and a bass line and, then a, and a melody, maybe some synth pads in there. And like, how much can you get out of the bare minimum of, of elements in the song? That was 2009. So that was my first release under my own name. So as I like 
was like sort of building this audience at IGN, I started to realize that my brand cachet was much more in my own name than in my Monster Zero recording persona. So ever since then, I've just been recording or releasing stuff under my own name. Right, right, right. I mean, having sort of listened listened over to sort of your catalog, so you do you have sort of like rock and acoustic tracks as well. Yeah. So like, do you have an idea of what your sound is overall, or is it just sort of like a bunch of everything? Or? <laughs> Yeah, I guess it does make it difficult, more difficult to market. But uh, like, I never like set out set out to like be like, I'm gonna do this thing. Like, I know like, bands will be like, let's be a punk band, and then they form a punk band, and they release punk records, and like that's what they do. But I've never been uh, interested in just doing one thing. Like when I sit down to write stuff, I may be in the mood to uh, record an acoustic pop song, or I might be uh, in the mood to record something a little like a bass-heavy trap song. It kind of just depends on the mood I'm in at the time. I've always wanted my records to sound like mixtapes, if, right. if, that, if that makes sense. You had this track called uh, I Work For You, and I was hoping it was going to be about IGN. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I could have written an, an ode to IGN. <laughs> but no, that one is actually... a. Uh, it's supposed to be a nice little love song, actually. I'm thinking then that the first one I heard when I remember listening, I, it was either a podcast beyond or a game scoop. And then when the show ended, someone threw to one of your tracks. Yeah. That must have been Greg Miller. God, how many years ago I mean, was this? <laughs> a while. But I remember he said like, oh, yeah. and Damon's got this album and check it out. Was that pleased to enjoy? I, I feel like that was the track. When I listened to it, I'm like, this sounds fucking familiar. Well, I think over the years, uh, you know, I've played some of my stuff on GameScoop, and I think uh, Greg played several of my tracks on Podcast Beyond. So, tell me about that one. I, I liked um, "Please to Enjoy" slash "First Bass." That was from my uh, second instrumental uh, album uh, called uh, "What's That Called?" Color Beam. Yeah, that's when I started getting more into dubstep stuff. And like when I when I DJ, I play a lot of really high intensity, heavy bass music. But when I'm composing, the stuff that comes easy and naturally to me is much more like mellow, melodic stuff. Like a high intensity, like club banger that people want to dance and lose their minds to doesn't come naturally to me. So uh, I guess like first bass is, has a slower heavier dubstep feel but still very like melodic and head nodding so that's kind of like me trying to starting to explore that dubstep area
Tell me a bit about Japanese cat cafes. They're the best. <laughs> I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, if you ever find yourself in Japan, definitely do not miss out on visiting a cat cafe. My favorite is in Shinjuku. I saw it called Cat Cafe Calico. It's $10 an hour and they have like 50 cats there. Are you a cat guy? Yeah, well, yeah.、Uh, I have my own cat, but I also. I'm a, let's say I'm a, call me a, fr- a friend of the felines. I've had a bunch of cats in my life, but I haven't had one in a while. Now I have a child,、mm. so it's.、Uh, oh, well, yeah. Is that like having a cat? <laughs> <laughs> it's indicative of the personality types of the owners. It's why I don't really talk too much.、Uh, you know, there's things I don't like to talk about with people anymore. And it's one of those is like politics, religion, and cats versus dogs,、yeah. because like no one really ever changes their mind. Yeah. And I've gotten into these dumb conversations that bored me because I'm like, I like animals, but I'm, I'm just a cat guy. But what I, what I learned was it's like you give what you get. And I think that dog owners, you know, they just have, there's something more that they want. And it's like, it's not better or worse. It's just that because dogs require more attention. And what I always loved about cats was because I'm very in- invested in my own stuff. Like, I've got my own hobbies,、I've, I'm doing my own thing. Sure. And all those things that people used to complain about to me about cats, where they were like, Oh, they're little bitches, man. Like, they just, they just fucking love you when you feed them and then they fuck off. Like, and I'm just like, dude, I love that because <laughs> I love that I get as much as I give. Like, I like the cats give me the presence of b- there being another living thing there and there's another animal.、Yeah. I like the way they look. They come up and pet you and stuff like that. But at the same time, I lived in a town. You know, my relationship with the cat was it would open, it would meow at the door. I'd open the door and then I don't see my cat for like five hours. Yeah.、And、then I hear her meow. She comes back in, eats some food. And that was that. You can't like run up and grab them and squeeze them and make them like hang out with you. You kind of have to like chill and let them come to you. I liked that we were both sort of independent, but we still, you know, acknowledge each other and stuff. Whereas like with dogs, when,、uh, you know, I'm eating dinner and there's this dog looking at me and it's like, it looks like it's about to fucking cry, <laughs> you know, like cause I'm not giving it the food. And whereas cats look evil, sort of. So, I never really feel bad about not giving a cat scraps. Yeah, that's a good point. Because they look like little demons. I love cats, but like they, you know, like when I look at them, it's just like meowing at me for food. I'm just like, no, no, no. <laughs> They're very low maintenance. I like that I can go out for a drink after work and I don't have to like rush home to let the dog out. Yeah. <laughs> and that the dog will be sad. Yeah. Like, it should be sad. It's like, like, it's like borderline suicidal because <laughs> you were 10 minutes late. <laughs> um,. Tell me about the track, In Fact It Was You, which is sort of more、uh, poppy sounding. That is my biggest hit, you might say,、uh, over the years.、Uh, the video, for, someone cut that song to a footage、uh, from the movie Drive on YouTube.、Mm-hmm. And that, song, that video has over a million views.、So. Oh, wow. But yeah, that's like a, a synth pop、uh, little love song, I guess you might say.
my most popular song and one of my favorite songs that I've recorded. Was it about somebody? Uh, nobody in particular, no. When, when I write lyrics, recently I've been working with a lyricist, Ryan Geddes, former IGN guy, uh, has been writing all my lyrics recently. But when I write lyrics, I try to generalize it so it, it can apply to, to anybody. So how do you work with that? Like, are you actually having him just completely write the songs? Or are you collaborating? It started because he wrote lyrics to an entire album called Black Cloud and then just gave me the lyrics for each song. And I we've finally just finished it now after three years. And so now either he'll write lyrics and send them to me or maybe I'll have like a song and I'll record the instrumental and send that to him and he'll write lyrics to it. But he, he's, just, he's just a much better lyricist than me. And like music comes pretty naturally to me, but writing lyrics is a real struggle for me and I don't enjoy that aspect of it. So to have someone else write the lyrics for me is great. How do you balance your time then? Like how, how busy is working at IGN? I mean, it can be busy. Yeah. <laughs> like if we're, record, if we're uh, working at a, an event like E3, it's super, super busy. Uh, but, you know, a normal a normal workday is a normal, like, nine to five-ish work schedule. So then I would come home and I would eat a quick dinner and I I force myself to be productive until 10 p.m. So I work on music until 10 p.m. and then I can relax and play video games. Like, is IGN the kind of job that you take work home? It used to be when I was, like, previewing and reviewing games. Now I'm, I'm exclusively, like, an on-camera personality. So if I'm not, you know, in front of a camera, I'm not really working, so... I don't have to bring my work home with me anymore. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, with, with the E3 thing, that's just, I mean, you fly down to the place, right? And then you're just sort of in it. Yeah, you're in LA, and then that's just like a week's straight of work, basically. Same as like, you know, if you're working at TGS or a Gamescom in Germany. Those are pretty serious, uh, like long work days, I guess. Are you like the senior dude there now? Like, who's still there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like one of the one of the oldest dudes there now. Fran Mirabella is one of the uh, older dudes that's been around for a long time. He was on the, the GameCube site back in the day. And uh, Per Schneider is co-founder, and now he's GM uh, of IGN. And Tal is still there, and Steve Butts is uh, EIC. He used to run the PC channel back in the day. So are you the only on-camera person who isn't, like, a pretty girl? Uh, well, we have, we have Naomi. But then, no, we have other hosts. We have Max Scoville and Brian Altano. I don't You said you were in a comedy podcast. I don't know if you listen to the comedy button, but they they host a, a comedy podcast, those guys. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, no, I'll check it out. I, I have this, this fucking... I have this queue of things, right? Because I listen to like WTF and a lot of things like Earwolf produces and Nerdist yeah. and things like that, and and uh, it gets pretty full. But I find doing chores and things, it's always good to yeah to have that shit on hand. But now with game stuff, because the thing is, like, I have no time. I find I read game news and and listen to sort of game podcasts more than I actually play. Mm. Just the way life works. Yeah, because I really yeah. want I I want to invest the time that I used to when I was younger, and I just can't seem to find that time anymore i mean i know what you mean and i don't even have a kid i, I imagine having a kid must eat, eat into a lot of your personal time that's the thing i used to because talking to my buddy about this like my favorite films and how i used to have them on like a rotation you know like every year i'd watch scarface a few times and yeah you know it's just things like that and aliens and predator and all this shit mm -hmm. and uh now i realize i'm just like why haven't i been doing that and i'm like oh yeah because my son and i are like pretty much in the same room he loves the playstation i mean he's four okay he's gonna be five and he's just always playing infamous and stuff <laughs> and we just got lego dimensions nice which again fuck them but also like the brilliant marketing bastards because i remember yeah. you know like skylanders and disney infinity and i remember looking at those thinking like what 
sucker is going to buy this shit? You. Like, what, a, what, a, what a scam. And then the second it became Lego, and then they started combining all of my favorite things in one place, like all of a sudden it's just like, wait, Lego Doctor Who and Back to the Future and yeah, Ghostbusters? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. I'm like, fuck, I'm doing these levels where I'm like... Plan is like well, I don't. Well, Doctor Who's not out yet, but I mean, like you know, these levels. It's like Doctor Who's themed, and there's like Batman and Gandalf fighting with fucking. And I'm like, yeah. Doc Brown flies in. I'm just like, oh my god! Like they targeted that marketing to the nostalgia of the parents who are going to buy the toys for the kids. Like my son doesn't know fucking like Back to the Future and stuff. Like I only showed it to him the other day, only because he sees the Lego. So now like <laughs> he knows it as Lego first. Which is the way, like a lot of these, I've, he, he's been introduced to a lot of franchises that way, the Marvel universe and stuff. He's always sure. It's always the Lego stuff, but fuck, it's going to cost me like five hundred bucks. Yeah, a lot of a lot of little Lego pieces too. Yeah, man, it's a fucking ah, bastards. But it's also one of the best ones they've made, like game wise. Mm. Just because, uh, you know, if you play Lego Batman, they just play the same four, like, Danny Elfman tracks for, like, the whole game. <laughs> yeah. But in this one, since, like, you're bouncing from franchise to franchise, you don't have enough time to get bored. So, like, you're playing Portal, then all of a sudden Lego becomes a Portal game, mm-hmm. you know, for, like, an hour. And then it's Ghostbusters, and then they're playing fucking, like, Power Love by Huey Lewis, and you're driving yep. around, like, Hill Valley. Like, it's it's really cool. Uh, anyway, let's, um, let's listen to uh, another one of your tracks. Uh, there's a cool one called... Uh, the returned so let's uh, let's listen to the returned by damon hatfield
when I think back to in high school and stuff and playing Goldeneye and like what sort of multiplayer shooters have become hmm. and I miss the sort of days of the pick up and play, play with your buddies in the same room. Like there was something to that. Sure. And I think that, you know, now that it's with, with online and all that stuff, the landscape of it's changed, you know, like with the Call of Duties and the, there's like 80 weapons and you can do, they've got like 30 attachments each and you're spending all this time in a menu customizing. And to me, it's like, that's not fun. You think it's too much? Well, t- again, I love huge games that give you tons of choices, you know, like I'm a big fan of, you know, like Skyrim and, and those sorts of mm-hmm. things. But there's nothing fun about going through a menu like when you want to play you know an arcade style game like i just want to jump in and play and to me i just like i can handle a gun i can handle a gun i can handle a game with you know like if it's like eight guns if they're all like distinct yeah you know what i mean like because when you play call of duty it's like they're all kind of the same they all kind of sound the same and then it's like this minutiae of you know, well, you put on a scope, you get two points down <laughs> on your accuracy, but then you get one point up on your range. Yeah. And like, which is why I enjoyed the Star Wars beta actually so much, honestly, mm. because of how simple it was. Even though I can, I, I know that'll be a lot of people's complaints. It's just like there was fucking four guns yeah. in one level. But like, I honestly, I liked that I just jumped in and didn't really have to think too much about it. Yeah. They made a new 007 game a few years ago. Do you remember that? Yeah. But yeah, the <laughs> the but is important. Yeah, <laughs> this is where I would sort of get up. I would get mad because I'd go into the EB Games. Do you have EB Games in the states or is it just GameStop? We used to have EB Games. I think GameStop bought them. Now okay. we just have GameStop, right? Because we have both still, even mm-hmm. though they're owned by the anyway. So I remember like walking in and some dude was going to go buy the new Goldeneye, and I get upset when I see somebody giving misinformation. Even though I don't care and yeah. I have no invested interest in, <laughs> in some stranger's game purchase, but when they came out with that GoldenEye remake on the Wii, and then the dude's like, oh, does this still have all the old levels from the N64? And like, uh, yep, yep, that's all in there. And nope, I'm just sitting nope. there just like, you dumb motherfucker. Like, he's yeah. like you're lying. He's just trying to sell a copy of the yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. But, but it was that, that thing where what I want and what I have this nostalgia for with, with games like GoldenEye and Perfect Dark and stuff, it was this sort of, there was a lot of customization options, but it was very sort of, it was pick up and play and and it was the party game aspect. And I think that's mm-hmm. what I what I want a game company to do is like Call of Duty to me, it's a little too, it's hardcore. It's like, it's not fun unless you're good. Yeah, that's true. Like I do enjoy Call of Duty, but it's like, you can't just toss a controller to somebody and say, hey, go play online and have fun. But <laughs> GoldenEye, back in the day, you know, obviously it was a, a simpler game, but there was a pick-up-and-play sort of party atmosphere to that game, and it was also a first-person shooter and, like, a multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. With the online multiplayer games, they're all just... There's a barrier to entry where you have to play for, like, two weeks and, like, learn the maps before you start having fun. Yeah, I mean, by now, you have the same group of people playing Call of Duty every year, and they've been playing it for years and years now, so the barrier to entry is very high, I think, now. Someone just walking up and trying to play Call of Duty online today for the first time would just get their ass kicked for weeks and weeks. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I used to be good at these sorts of things. I mean, I'm getting older, so I feel like I'm losing my dexterity. I'm not an old man, but definitely I don't have the time. Like, when I had the time was perfect dark you know that's yeah. when i had the time that was my game i played perfect dark a lot more than goldeneye back in the day well so did i i mean i loved the the stat tracking and that stuff and that's that's the thing too with with shooters was i i just don't i'm not an army man guy i always <laughs> love the the bond aspect i love the lone wolf agent going on missions like i don't like being an army man okay and i could literally play the same thing it's call of duty but if it was just instead of shooting it 
other army men i was shooting at like dudes in tuxedos with ski masks right and right. I, and i had like a silenced pistol that actually sounded good so instead of the silencer sounding like i want it to sound like from the 80s movies like like a laser gun <laughs> yeah because that's what a silencer to me is like that's the satisfying silencer sound the well, have you played Metal Gear? Metal Gear Solid Five. I played uh, a bit of the demo of, of the well, what, what that thing was. That they don't call ground, it demo. Ground Zero. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Five is the game that I'm obsessed with right now. And you use a uh, you use your uh, uh, silenced tranquilizer in that game a whole lot. Yeah. And maybe maybe that would be more your speed. Well, I love that sound. That's the thing too. It's it, the sound effects to me in a game. Music sound effects are some of the biggest parts for me enjoying a game like i've liked mediocre games i've liked mediocre movies that have had awesome scores mm-hmm. and it just elevates the fucking thing sure to me that's just as important and especially in a game where it's like all about like cool weapons and stuff when i play call of duty they all kind of sound the same whenever you're using a silencer it's like it just makes this sound that's so unsatisfying to use anyway that's a personal thing but but the point is call of duty sucks yeah <laughs> i don't know i just I just wish there was a company that just approached the first person, sh- like the multiplayer first person shooter, uh, like a party game. Where if Nintendo was still doing what I wanted it to do and not being this ridiculous yeah. company, there would be this perfect home for the party game first person shooter, which is what Goldeneye and Perfect Dark was. Like, Perfect Dark to me is like one of the, it was perfect. I mean, it's dated now, but it's like, it had all of these customization options and you could save your stats and you could do all yeah. this stuff. But at the same time, it allowed everybody to participate and that's the thing that new games don't do like with perfect dark i mean if i had i was playing with four buddies i was maybe better i had maybe another friend who we were comparable we were like the better players and so the battle was between us and meanwhile our two friends who weren't as good they're shooting at meat sims right and so you have fun as long as you're getting kills because it's not fun to be like to die over and over again no one has fun doing that sure i agree and that's why i love perfect dark so much you know when i think back to that going like everybody had something to do they all felt like they were having fun and having a good time even though we're all in our own little little bubbles you know and then it was that communal thing because we we're all on the same couch you know playing a game together and that was a lot of fun and i just i just wish there was a company that would do that and then i eventually found a mod called GoldenEye x for the emulator mm-hmm. where they they took the perfect dark engine but they oh, cool. but they took all the assets from goldeneye into it so you're playing goldeneye maps with goldeneye characters and goldeneye weapons but with the customization options of perfect dark that's pretty cool yeah it's pretty cool i mean like it's still based on the perfect dark engine so it still sort of runs like a slideshow but uh the idea is cool and i'm, I'm happy that those guys made it anyway i got <laughs> i could talk about this forever so uh moving on Now, you sent me a track when you got in touch with me called Oh Wow, which is your newest one. Yeah. Yeah, so talk to me about that. Yeah, that one's out November 9th in your music station store of choice. Um, but yeah, that one is, uh, the idea behind that one is you're in, you're in the roller rink in 1987, and you spot your crush across the room, and you're like, oh, wow. And then that's, that song starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling, man. Yeah. I was there. I was six or... However the hell old I am. Hey, that's plenty old enough to have a crush. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, like a single to something coming up, or it's just a... Uh, no, I think that's that's a, that's just a one-off single. Um, yeah, it's just like, you know, this album, it's taken me three years to put together, so... I'll, I'll put out singles. I try to put out, you know, a few singles a year, just so I don't, you know, disappear into obscurity. Oh, 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 oh,
has been the, the reaction? Because I know you're saying like you, you play these things on Game Scoop and your podcasts and stuff. I mean, are your fans friendly to you? Oh, very. Yeah. My fans are very, very friendly. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Like I love my Game Scoop fans and I've got my little following on Twitter and I interact with them as much as possible. So, uh, yeah, everybody has been great. Super, super, super friendly. How does that work, though, when you're in the spotlight as far as, you know, like when when I go online and read, not that I read too many comments, I try not to, but I mean, being at IGN, I mean, like that's huge and it can be very divisive for fucking nerds. Yeah. There's just these people who go in with these expectations and I always see people complaining about review scores. And to me, yep. it, it, it bothers me because I always just use that information. Like I, I use the information to form an opinion. Like I just consider myself a reasonable person. You have no business being on the internet then. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's the thing. Because like I, I look at an IGN review and of course I'll look at the score and that'll give me a basis in the same way that going on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, just if I see a movie gets like 20%, well, maybe I might have a differing opinion, but there's a good chance it's a shitty movie. Sure. And that's pretty much the way I use my judgment. And so like when I'm looking at a review and I see it gets like an eight or a nine, I know that maybe it might not be like my cup of tea, but at least it warrants my attention mm -hmm. that maybe this product has some quality to it or some merit, you know? And then just watching people get so upset. I mean, I own a Wii and a PlayStation. I don't own an Xbox, but I'm not like a like an idiot. You're like a yeah. hater who just hate what's on the other system because I can't play it. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to love trading systems with people. That was so exciting. I had a Super Nintendo, and I'd trade with my buddy for his Genesis for a weekend, and it was always cool to play the other games. I never saw that as a negative, that I had to, like, hate Sonic because I fucking owned Mario. Like, it was the stupidest... It's a very stupid logic. Yeah, video game commenters are notoriously terrible yeah. <laughs> we, you know but we have you know we have stats uh the percentage of the ign audience that comments on articles is like in the single digits you know right. so it's like you read the comments and they seem you, you, it's easy to get the impression that like all gamers are just terrible but it's really it's really a small percentage i think i think most of them are like you and i just like you know regular dudes that aren't going to get all bent out of shape if their favorite game didn't score as high as they wanted to. Or, conversely, a game they don't like got a score that's way too high. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. I've never understood the need for validation of something that you know in your heart you like. That is it, too. Yeah, they want their purchase to be justified. Yeah, and it's really weird because to me, it's like it's justified by how much enjoyment I get from it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so strange that just like some strangers on the internet who like assign a number to the thing is all of a sudden going to determine, <laughs> you know, like how I feel about that thing. It's uh, It's bizarre. Believe me, we spent a lot of time at IGN laughing at the terrible commenters. <laughs> but like I said, like I have a handful of Twitter followers. They are universally awesome. And like the people that listen to GameScoop and write into GameScoop, they're so cool. Uh, they're really smart and insightful. So it's like the anonymity of the internet allows people to their, their darkest sides to come forth. And I think internet anonymity is is probably a terrible thing i think we should probably have to everyone should have to use their real names online that should be enforced somehow because i don't see any good coming out of the uh anonymity like i'm a lifelong nintendo fan mm -hmm. and i get so frustrated with the, the decisions that company makes you if you ever have this time when you, if you talk to fucking reggie or <laughs> when you see what playstation does you know like with like hd remakes and stuff mm -hmm. what i like about sony they just seem to like kind of deliver what we want you know what i mean it's just sort of like yeah hey, there's a there's an audience for an hd remake of this and that like we'll put it out and what bugs me about nintendo they're sitting on all of this potential profit 
you know, it just seems like they're this company that like has this thing against like making they could make more money. Like right now, in a second, if they just put out like a compilation of Zelda games, if I had no money, that would still be like an instant purchase. Yeah. And the Mario collection on one disc. Like there's all these things they could do and like games that they could like HD remake and throw up on Wii. But there's all these times where I'm just sitting there like, why aren't they doing this? Like when Sony will just throw out HD remakes all over the place and like actually listen to what people want. And then Nintendo sits on these things. Then they've got this fucking Wii shop where they put out like one old Nintendo game a week and charge like eight bucks for it. And it's just like, are you guys kidding me? Like they're sitting on a library of like hundreds of classic games. And like, I'll check the stupid store once a month and they'll be like, one new Super Nintendo game and like it took them a year and a half to get N64 games on the Wii U. Yeah. And it's like it's it bl- they blow my mind, man. But I have no way of talking to these people. They're a curious company. But you realize Reggie is beholden to his Japanese overseers. But he's the one who you'd end up talking to, right? Because the other dudes speak through interpreters. Yeah, you can talk to Miyamoto and Anuma uh, through, through a translator. Did you pick up the Wind Waker HD? For Wii U? I loved it. I thought it was great. And it, yeah. that totally actually made that game better for me. Yeah, for sure. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. Go slap somebody. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll get right on that. <laughs> Cut to six months from now, you're playing the Zelda collection on Wii U. You're like, thanks, Damon. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I totally would. I mean, that's that's the, the thing with me and Nintendo. They, they're such a strange company. I bought that line of shit about the Wii with the motion controls. Oh, man. And I was, sit- I was sitting there going like, oh, no, this is okay, guys, or whatever. <laughs> It's like when you saw Phantom Menace and you're like, that was that was good, right? No. And then you're like, it takes a while to realize that it was really terrible. Yeah, no, those things like sink in. And, and I've always bought that sort of line of Nintendo's like, oh, you know, graphics don't matter. It's all about gameplay. And then I played a PlayStation 3 and I played Call of Duty Modern Warfare and, and Elder Scrolls. Yeah. And I hadn't played any of those types of games in like, you know, two years because I had been just playing Wii. And I was like, oh, what the fuck, man? Fuck this. <laughs> you know, like I just I just switched instantly because I'm like, these are the experience I want to have. And I just wish Nintendo would. I want them to be on top again kind of thing. Like I wish they would come up with a console that was the must have thing. Yeah. Because when I play Wii U and I'm using the regular controller again to play Nintendo games, it really reminded me of like oh yeah this is how i want to play nintendo games like when i was playing new super mario brothers wii with just the classic controller Mm -hmm. and going oh right like these games are great and that's the way i want to play them i don't want to fucking shake this thing for mario to spin like i just want to play with a regular controller and i really miss that from nintendo like i just miss the days of super nintendo when like they made great games and it was like it was the system to have Mm mm-hmm and it was also the most powerful too. Like it was just it looked better than Genesis and stuff. I mean, I get people well, we'll arguing see, with me yeah. about that, but we'll see what uh, their next console, this NX, is like. Have you heard about this? Yeah, I saw. I, yeah, I've seen just the rumblings. It's supposed to have quote industry leading chips. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm just concerned. I like. I hope they just make it compatible with the Wii U because I've actually I've enjoyed the games I've played on Wii U. I'm playing Mario Maker right now. I really like it. I think it's great. Yeah, I enjoyed Wind Waker HD. I don't. I mean, they're saying they're doing Twilight Princess. I mean, I'll buy it, but to me, that's one of the weaker ones. Yeah, uh, for me personally, anyways. Like I was. I mean, it's okay. It's fine. But Ocarina is one the one I would love, like a proper redo. But did you get the 3DS version? I played it. I'm not. I'm not a huge portable game guy. Okay. Uh, I've always been like a console dude. Like I've had. Like I used to have a DS until my wife put it in the laundry machine, and um, <laughs> and that's how you got divorced. Yeah, 
Yeah, this was years ago. That thing, uh, that thing got fucked. And I just find that whenever I, I play handheld, I, I mostly just play very simple games. So I found even when I had the DS, the game I played the most was like, it was like this game where there's a sort of, uh, it was a puzzle game where you like made pictures with little cubes or something. I forget what the fuck it was called. I think it was like an official Nintendo game. Is it Picross? Picross, yeah. Yeah, I like that game. Yeah, that's what I ended up playing the most. And when I had a Zelda game on it, I just found, ah, I just really like to play Zelda on a big screen. Yeah. Like, I just, uh, I like that sort of aspect to it, but each to their own. As the saying goes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, dude, you gotta go to work. Uh, yeah, wow, it's getting about that time, yeah. <laughs> so, um, we touched on your new track, so we can, yeah. we can, we can go out on, on a track, but, uh, tell me about, uh, Moon Patrol. Uh, yeah, that's another, uh, popular track of mine. Uh, that's from my album, Beyond the Darkness, another instrumental electronic album. And, uh, that album sort of, uh, actually, like, planned it out to tell sort of a, a story of this, uh, the crew of this spaceship that's going off into space and uh, exploring other realms of the galaxy. And as they leave Earth, they make a little pit stop on the moon. And they're, like, doing donuts with their, like, moon rover on the surface there while that, while that song plays, while, like, the Earth rises up over the distance. At least that's what I was, like, envi- envisioning as, uh, as I listened to that song.
So we were, we were envisioning sort of like a destiny scenario where you're like collecting, uh, yeah. What the fuck was that shit you had to collect in destiny on the moon? Uh, man, I only played destiny for like a week, but <laughs> a lot of people actually tell me that my music in that uh, song, that album in particular puts them in the mindset of uh, mass effect. Well, the fucking mass effect soundtracks are fantastic. I love those so much. Yeah. Those are great. Have you listened to much like, uh, like synth wave stuff? Oh yeah. So like I, I was telling you, I really like college. I don't know if you call it uh, synthwave, but like I love the new uh, Neon Indian album. I love how it's sleazy and 80s, that sounds. But I also like Laserhawk and Mitch Murder and guys like that. That's how I got introduced to the whole scene anyways. And, and it was, you know, games like Hotline Miami and shit. That, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Had these, uh, had these really cool scores. And to me, it's like that music makes everything better. Even when I play like GTA, if I just throw on like a synthwave soundtrack... Yeah. And it just, because that was the one for me anyways, personally, like the weaker aspect of GTA 5 was I just, I wasn't as involved in the soundtrack as I have been in sort of previous GTAs. Hmm. But I remember like GTA 4 had that uh, radio station called Journey Hmm. and it was all like electronic tracks and, uh, and things like that. And it just, it just gave the the whole thing a more like kind of cinematic feel to it. And I would always sort of, you can do that thing in GTA, you know, where you like hold the button down and it does the uh, cinematic camera angle as you're driving and you just smash yeah. into shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to do that to a synthwave score and it's great. So did you like Vice City? Yeah, I did. It's funny now going back and to be honest with you, I always loved the GTA 3 the best, even though mm. clearly the other ones were better. Like the sequels kept improving and improving, but I always loved it. It had this weird feel to it and the, the quiet hero like the guy you played has never talked and then it had the scarface songs on the radio sure and it was also the first you know that that game blew my fucking mind like when i played gta3 for the first time like i was just like whoa like yeah. th- this is incredible but it's funny going back and playing now and remembering like this was the fucking controls like when i go back and and play it i'm just like how the fuck like i'm pressing square to shoot and like you don't really aim and it, it was it was crazy I, di- I didn't understand how i even played it yeah when i went back but that was a game like Call of Duty. It was a phenomenon that got a lot of people who don't normally play game who don't normally play games. It got them playing. Everyone had to play GTA. And the same, th- I mean, like Call of Duty. It, even though it is sort of a joke, just because of all the iterations that keep coming out. I mean, uh, Modern Warfare I thought was cool, but it was also like when I saw it for the first time, it was also like graphics were amazing. Like yeah. I, because I'd also been playing Wii this whole time. Yeah. So like, it, and then that sequence in the helicopter when like the nuclear bomb goes off and the dude flies out of the helicopter, and I just remember being like, "Wow, like what a fucking epic thing!" And then they sort of do ten of those in each game now. Hmm. So it's like it, it yeah. wasn't as cool when I played like another modern warfare game. Like, oh, I see they're doing the kill the guy you're playing as thing, except they do it like ten times in a row. Yeah, and uh, it sort of fucking lost the magic, I guess. Yeah, I haven't played a Call of Duty campaign in several several years. Well, Star Wars, man. Will this be the year that, like, I feel like Star Wars might fucking knock Call of Duty off this year? I don't know. Like, maybe not for a long time. Well, yeah. It's big, man. Like, everyone is excited about that game. Yeah. Whether or not it has the staying power because of the four guns and the two levels, like, that might hurt it. But then it didn't fucking hurt Destiny. (laughs) That stupid game. Like, I played that game for... I traded it in for two months. I get people telling me now how, like, oh, it's good now. Taken King, it's good. I'm like... Fuck you, like, I, out of spite, I won't play it, even though I miss it. It's weird. That game, like, got into my head. I don't know if, like, it was designed by a psychologist or something, but... Probably was, yeah. I love the way it played. It, like, it played very smoothly, and it looked great, but after I had killed the fucking... God, there was this boss who was, like, a big eye... 
it was like a big circle. Yeah. And I remember like the 40th time I fought that thing, I was just like, what am I fucking doing? Like, it's just like, I fought this thing like 80 times just to like get two objects and then I'd take them back to some dude at a store and it would be some shit I already had. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll probably still buy part two though, but... (laughs) Yeah, Destiny did not click with me, but there is a bunch of guys in the office that are obsessed with it. They get together online and play every single night. Uh, my friends list on the PlayStation, I, there's tons of people who are still playing Destiny. I'm just like, wow, I mean, this it, it was compelling in a weird way. And when I traded it in, I was like, look, I'm going to get Call of Duty. It's got like 15 maps. It's going to be a lot more fun. It's got jetpacks. Yeah. And then like after a week, I was just like, I'm not feeling this piece of shit. And then I actually kind of now i sort of miss destiny even though i did trade it in with purpose i sepix prime sepix prime sorry that was the name of the stupid boss sepix prime was this fucking orb and you know like anyway i fought sepix prime many many times it was very very compelling gameplay yeah (laughs) definitely has its its gameplay loop like it has its thing that it does Getting back to what you're saying about Synthwave, how it makes everything better, uh, I totally agree with you. It's like it puts me in a great headspace. But sometimes I wonder if that's just. Do you have to be a child of the '80s for that to work? Do do kids of the '90s get it? Do they under do they get the same feeling? Like to me, and what I love about Synthwave specifically, I mean, it's a broad genre. So you know, there's guys like Perturbator and stuff. I mean, some of them they don't really consider themselves Synthwave anymore. Like there's something else, and then there's like the dark, like goth synthwave stuff that's all like satan and shit but what i what i always really gravitated towards and this is from my childhood and maybe it is because i grew up in the 80s and stuff but the electronic music was they had these fat bass lines but there was always a melody mm-hmm. and i've always been big into uh just the melody of music it's why i like video game music it's why i can listen to chip tunes and stuff because to me if i like the tune mm-hmm. And I like the melody of a song. That is the driving force to me. It's not necessarily the the beat or the tempo, which sure. is why I'm not too big into the dubstep and things like that. I understand their function, and I get why people do like it, and it's very it's energizing. But it's way more about the hmm. the beat, you know. Like it's it's same with like jungle and those sorts of things, where it's sure. like you know it's. That's the point of the song. It's not about the tune. You got me nodding my head just by doing that for one second. So for me personally, you know, I sort of fell out with electronic music in like the early 90s when it became very tinny and it was all like, hmm. you know, those those sort of dance songs where there was like the rapper that would come in. And <laughs> I, to be fair, I do like some of that stuff, like nostalgically. Yeah. So, you know, but there, there was always that thing where they would come in and they would have terrible lyrics. And no matter what the song was about, the rapper would have some sort of really shitty thing to say. So, like, you know, like, the chick would be saying, like, flowers in the field. And it would cut back to flowers, flowers in the field. Look at all the flowers. You know. I mean, fucking Two Unlimited had one lyric that was literally feeling kind of better put on your sweater. Like, that is a line in a Two Unlimited song. It's deep. But then I, I like trance uh, that sort of started in, like, the late 90s and, like, 2000. Only because... It sort of brought back the, like in electronic music having like a melody, yeah. and then they they dropped the whole rapper aspect, and it was usually just a chick still singing about nonsense. So like I sometimes I'll go back and listen to like trance mixes from like early two thousands, and it's just like some chick singing about castles in the sky and stuff, and it's it's nonsense. Yeah, but I think yeah, part of it is no- is nostalgia, but I don't think that's a bad no. thing because I find when I when I go back and the things I liked when I was a kid, a lot of it holds up i mean i love 80s movies and as much as people like to malign the 80s 
it was it was a big joke for a long time. It was like, oh, 80s, 80s, this, 80s, that. I'm like, fucking right. Like, Scarface, Back to the Future, fucking Aliens, the Blade Runner. Like, there's like so many awesome things from the 80s. Sure, the women's hair was kind of silly and those fucking shoulder pads and stuff, but I love the 80s electronic music, like just the, these fat bass lines and these beats. And when you think about like the fucking Axel theme from uh, from Beverly Hills Cop and stuff, like just this catchy, mm-hmm. just, just awesome, fat-sounding music, because then electronic music in the 90s sort of became kind of tinny, and then, it, then when grunge got really big and... Yeah. When I think about that now, it's just, man, like like in the 90s, like when I was in high school, as much as people like to look back and would make fun of the 80s and malign the 80s, I had that same thing with the 90s because I was just like, what is time? Like no one looked good. Like everyone was wearing, like even the girls were just wearing like baggy, like fucking sweaters and flannel shirts. And then the music was all about like, we don't care and all this stuff. And I don't know. I, I like the sort of this this weird cheesy aspect of the 80s like yeah i do too i don't use the word cheesy as a bad thing yeah i know what you mean i prefer the fashion uh, of the 80s to the 90s myself and again i know that there's things that have been embedded in my brain uh from childhood because i love those those fucking they're nonsensical but you know those spandex workout outfits that the girls mm-hmm. wear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love those fucking things <laughs> I sh- but it doesn't make sense like when i look at them I'm just like this thing is completely impractical and if you're you know gonna try and uh, make love to a woman and she's got one of those things on like you're in for an an evening of complications but like that's all the 80s like i mean i'm sure the 80s burned that into my brain as like a thing to like yeah so that part maybe uh, is 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 pure nostalgia but then the cartoons were better yeah like i will fucking argue to the death that fucking real ghostbusters and transformers and gummy bears and like there was there was cartoons in the 80s that i think definitively are better yep because when i look at cartoons now and even the cartoons in like the late 90s and shit they're all about little kids like playing with the toy that they're trying to sell like for, for example well digimon and okay. like those sorts yeah. of things where like it's literally a show about kids in school who play with the fucking cards and then like you know like i'm playing my fucking doku fucking whatever i, I can't even fake it <laughs> and a lot of the shows now and i see like my son watches them on kids tv and stuff where the protagonists are all children like that's a big thing in kids tv now the main characters mm. are all kids and when i was a kid the main characters were adults yeah and it was like as a kid you would aspire to be you know like when i when i grow up i want to be a ghostbuster i don't want to be a fucking junior ghostbuster who gives a shit about those people (laughs) and when i watch real ghostbusters now uh like i love it like it was like this cartoon it's for kids but peter vankman is still like a womanizer in it Mm -hmm. but it's a kid's cartoon yeah and you know batman the animated series is like a fucking great cartoon like there's all these things and transformers unlike the stupid fucking movies is actually about robots where the human characters are secondary or yeah there's only like two human characters on that show literally it's all robots and there happens to be one fucking guy there and the movies are like the opposite it's like all about people and occasionally a robot shows up and says a quote but doesn't really talk like a character you know like everyone got all excited oh peter collins still the voice of optimus prime i'm like but he's not a character in this film like he's a quote machine he just walks in a room and just says one shall stand and like (laughs) okay well great but who gives a fuck so I, I honestly do believe that the 80s cartoons were better. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I still watch shit in the 90s, too. I mean, I watch the fucking Beetlejuice and mm. there's some... And, like, Animaniacs. Like, some of the Disney shows are actually, like, pretty good. But Gummy Bears, I think, is still my favorite. Gummy Bears was good. Gummy Bears is awesome. And it's got an amazing theme song. And that's the thing, too, I miss. And that's an 80s thing. Having good theme songs? Fucking right. Yeah. I love 
There's so many 80s theme songs, even for shitty shows. If you ever go on YouTube and go down the rabbit hole of just the compilation of like 80s cartoon theme songs and 80s yeah. television show theme songs, even if the show fucking sucks, they're all awesome and they're all given it. <laughs> There's some show I never watched called like fucking Dino Saucers, and yet it's got this fucking awesome song or like this dude just totally giving it like guitar solo and like Dino Saucers and and it's just it's and like Mask and Transformers. Oh, I mean, man. there's. Mask is really good. And fucking Silverhawks. You ever heard the yep. Silverhawks theme? Of course. I never even liked the look of that cartoon, but that theme song is so good. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. The theme song is what I remember most about that show. Yeah, I always love, too, how they always put way more work into the animation of the title sequence yeah. of 80s cartoons. So, like, it's, it's always all... It's, looks so awesome and there's so much depth and and shading and shadows and stuff to the characters as they're like flying around zooming through each other and then the show starts and it's like transformers i think is literally like five frames a second animation (laughs) like it's it's horrible and like every transformers episode there's always an animation glitch where the wrong transformer talks (laughs) and like the wrong voice comes out and then they paint them the wrong color and stuff like it happens like so often like it's so poorly done but it's still awesome yeah and uh and that's that man <laughs> and that's why the 80s were better than the 90s so well what's what's your uh do you have a, like a favorite i know you got to go to work I'm, I'm keeping you from work but what's <laughs> what's what's some of your things like when you're thinking back to your, your childhood when we're talking about nostalgia i mean like what's the shit that uh well yeah my show was gi joe that was like my number one like cartoon but if the uh nes had a profound impact on my childhood for sure uh that was my first video game system mm-hmm. and then the movies you know Terminator, Predator, oh, it's yeah. really big on. And, of course, The Thing is my favorite horror movie of all time. I love John Carpenter's uh, film scores. That oh, yeah. is also a very good synthy film score, for sure. Well, I think that's the thing, too. It's what I miss with, like, new movies. I mean, I just... I watched Avengers again yesterday, like, the new one. You had Ultron, or...? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, it's fine. Like, it's a, it's okay. Uh, yeah. But I, I just... Like, with a lot of new movies, too, I am starting to feel that CGI overload that I used yeah. to not care about. And now I'm starting to, and it really makes me appreciate, God, when I go back and when you, the thing is a great example of just. The effects hold up so well. Yeah. And practical, like practical effects fucking, they win. And even when they're not as smooth or you can see how it's done. Yeah. When I watch something that I can feel like I know that work was put into it. I even excuse the, like the rubber Arnold head in Terminator 1. Yeah. I just watched that last week, actually. Because Terminator 1, I love that fucking movie so much. And I know CGI, they could do that better now. But I still love the fact that they built a fucking puppet Arnold head. Yeah. And, you know, it looks weird, but it's, you know, like it's still, to me, I love all that stuff. And um, that's what I miss now with movies. Like there's so, there's so much CGI. I mean, it's not like a novel opinion to have that there's too much CGI in movies. But I'm really starting to feel it, where I'm going like, ah, like every movie has a guy like dangling off a cliff, and then there's those cameras where like the camera does this... An impossible thing, yeah. And I think that your brain detects that stuff. Like, it was cool when Lord of the Rings did it, because that was the first time I had seen these epic battles where a camera's swooping through, and now every movie does that. Every movie has a scene where there's an army running from the right to the left, and a camera fucking zooms through the battle, and and I think your brain really does go... I know this is fake because a camera can't do this. Mm. So I don't believe this. And and even if it looks great, you just know. And that's why like movies like why I like Christopher Nolan and stuff, you know, he'll use CGI, 
but you'll still not really do like too many impossible things with the camera so it so I never really notice it. I mean, obviously, Interstellar had stuff that was clearly like special effects. But mm-hmm. when I think about the Batman movies and stuff like that, where I never really saw a scene where I was like, oh, that's obvious CGI or whatever, because the camera was always doing believable things mm-hmm. and keeping the action grounded and stuff. And that's the way to go. Like that. That's why I'm excited for a new Star Wars, like probably everybody in the universe is. Yeah. But they're supposed to be using more practical effects, right? Yeah, that's the key. It's just more exciting. Even though you know there's a ton of work that goes into CGI. It's not to say that it, there's no work. I mean, there's yeah. fucking hundreds of dudes being overworked for fucking years. Yeah, exactly. To, can you imagine? Yeah, being like one of those guys in a visual effects house, I can't imagine that's a very gratifying job. Now, could you imagine, take that scenario, and imagine you're the dude who's just worked like fucking 70-hour weeks for months animating Jar Jar Banks. Yeah. Could you fucking imagine? You're, like, you're the guy that created one of the most hated characters in history. And every day you're working on it, you have to know. Like, you just have to be doing it, doing like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this yeah. is, ah, oh, that must have been so, I feel so bad for those people. Just because how soul-sucking that must be to do all that work and then you see it up on the screen and go like, yeah. It's the same, but I feel the same way with the Transformers movies because they, even though the yeah. CGI, everyone gets so excited that the CGI is really good. The movies are so glossy looking that everything looks fake yeah. to me. You know, like even, they don't—they don't have a soul. No, even like Megan Fox looks fake when I watch it. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like because everything looks too too crisp and and oversaturated, and and it's, it's all looks very phony. When YouTube first came out, I remember some dude who must have been some uh, you know like animation student posted his little demo, like a ten second Optimus Prime. You know, just shot with video cameras, just filmed an alleyway, and then just animated an Optimus Prime with CGI. Hmm. And I remember going, that looks so good. Just because he actually took like a real shot, put it at Optimus, the transformation actually made sense. It wasn't just this fucking nonsensical thing where a bunch of metal blades spin in front of the screen so we don't actually see what's happening, like the new Transformers movies do. Like, you you don't really see how the Transformers lock in together. And to me, it would be so much more compelling if they were blockier. So that you actually understood the transformation sequences. Yeah. To me, it's all just like smoke and mirrors. It's like all of a sudden you just see spinning fucking metal blades flying all over the place and crazy sound effects. And then there's a truck there and like, yeah. fuck you. No, you're right. <laughs> you're, you're totally on, on point. <laughs> Anyways, dude, I, I've, I've kept you long enough, but uh, I'll let you close the floor here. So say, uh, say your piece, Damon Hatfield from IGN. I'm Damon Hatfield from IGN. Uh... Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. <laughs> no, I'm going to go to work right now, and I'm going to like record podcasts and uh, record all these news videos. But uh, if anyone wants to check out more of my music, uh, I'm on SoundCloud, Damon Hatfield. Uh, my personal website is DamonHatfield.com, and I'm, I'm very active and vocal on Twitter if you want to check me out there, at Dame Zero. And Dame is uh, D-D-A-E-M? Yeah, D-A-E-M-Z-E-R-O. Or Z for us Canadians. Yes. Or, or technically everybody else. Is that true? For everyone else? Okay. I think the States is the only place that says Z. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm learning things on your show. <laughs> it's an educational program. But it's so stupid, too, because the alphabet song. Yeah. That's like the failing aspect of yeah. the whole Z thing is because yeah. like it ends with like this thud of no rhyming. Yeah. But uh, that's a cross I have to bear as a Canadian. It's rough. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, dude, it was uh, nice meeting you and nice talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This was fun. And uh, yeah, man, you have a you have a lovely day. You as well.
And that was Damon Hatfield from IGN. That was a fun talk. He's made a lot of music, man, a lot of uh, variety. So if you uh, check out his work, I'll post all the links in the SoundCloud description. So uh, obviously there's no links in the live show. And I don't care. This way you have to sort of tune into both aspects of Beyond Synth. You tune into the live show for the chat, and you check out the download for the links, man. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, Beyond Synth. Be- uh, why, why am I saying the name of my own show? What? I, I <laughs> <sighs> okay, anyways, that was Damon. So check out his stuff on his SoundCloud, and he's got iTunes and all those things, and I'll post all those links if you dig those tunes, man. And I don't need to promote IGN, so I think they're doing just fine over there. They review video games. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This has been a fun show. And uh, I think I'm going to wrap it up. All right? I think it's time to wrap this thing up, man. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. Hope you guys are enjoying the new format. I think I'm going to... I'm going to balance it between having a, a special guest, fall, and then the next week we'll do the co-host and the playlist, and then uh, guest and co-host. I think that's going to be the pattern for a little while, because I had a lot of fun um, having Sunglasses Kid be the co-host, and I think I want to go through the back catalog beyond the synth and uh, have, some of my, have some of my favorite guests back, and they can uh, co-host the show with me, because I think that's a lot of fun. And uh, you do too. <laughs> Listen, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, We're going to end on a really cool track by one of my favorite artists, and that is, of course, Ogre, who does the theme song for this show, which is the song Sure Thing off the album Calico Brawn. Ogre Ogre is is one of the best. Uh, I think his music is amazing. It was his uh, that track that I use as the theme song for this show that really got me full on into the scene. I loved... God, I love that that song so much. Um, and uh, I forgot to say too, and special thanks to to Dallas Campbell as well, who helped uh, with provide some elements for the intro of this show, the robot lady voice at the start of the show. And speaking of Dallas Campbell and Ogre, they recently did a collaboration with each other for Halloween. It's really good. It's called All Hallows, and um, I'm going to have both of them on the show uh, in a few weeks. All right, at the same time. And it's a lot of fun, and I hope you guys appreciate that because they've collabed and they've been buddies online and they were doing these collaborations, some stuff that you've heard and some stuff projects are still sort of secret. And the funny thing is they've never actually chatted with each other. And so I brought them on to to talk to me at the same time, and then it was also sort of the first time that they were really talking to each other because most of the time they just communicate with, with chat and stuff. So I thought that was cute and a lot of fun, and they're super talented dudes, and look forward to that in the upcoming weeks. And yeah, and I think I'm literally going to break the rule. I just told you what the format of the show is going to be, that it's going to be special guest, co-host, special guest. But I lied because next week is a guest and it is not a co-host. And next week I'm going to have Von Herzog on the show. So look forward to that and we'll play lots of fun music and check out some of his tunes, which are cool. And yeah, man. So listen, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a slice. Thank you for listening to Beyond Synth. Facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast. Follow me on Twitter, Andy Last. And let's end on an ogre track from the album Calico Braun. Very appropriate song to end on. This is All's Well That Ends Well by Ogre. And I'll catch you guys next week on Beyond Synth. <laughs>